0: Time to fire up the grill.
1: Time to go to Total Wine and find the perfect flavor to pair with those burgers.
0: Ooh, I love their beer cooler.
1: <laughs> you love their prices even more.
0: Wondrous selection, helpful guides, ridiculously low prices. Total Wine and more. Outside, the shine click I heard a cop calling Hi everybody and welcome to another edition of the Cop Table Podcast. Today uh, we're going to take a look forward to the weekend's game against Brighton and Hope Albion. Um, and that's coming on the back of a 2-0 victory away at Crystal Palace. Joining me on the pod today, uh, we have Jay Riley, a pod regular. How's things for you, Jay? All good?
2: Yeah, you know, very happy with the three points against Crystal Palace on Monday night and you now it's all systems going out for the weekend's game against Brighton.
0: Indeed. And on the the Brighton side of things, uh we have Robert Dugmore joining us. Uh your first time on the pod, Robert, you're very welcome. How's things with you today?
1: Yeah, thanks very much for having me. All good at this end. Looking forward to the weekend. I won't be uh I won't be travelling to Anfield. i have got a friend's wedding in the in Italy, I'm going to be surrounded by Liverpool fans. Actually, watching it, spared the pain. Uh, spared
0: the pain. <laughs> uh, <laughs> You're coming into it off the back of a very good result at the weekend. You must be like, you must be over the moon with that. I think we we as a fan base are over the moon for you. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, thrilled, really. I mean, we were really were well expecting it. I mean, we we're always back ourselves at home, but the, the the week prior, the weekend at Watford, first game of the season away. It was, uh, you know, polar extreme. Polar differences, really, in terms of the performance at Watford, um, just just really poor. And so going into that game at home, zero expectation. And uh, I suppose for us, it was as well as us playing uh, Manchester United were, were really poor. So quite fortunate in that respect.
0: Yeah, they may have been very poor, but I thought you played decent football. You can only beat what's in front of you, so. You know, it's uh, yeah. fair play to you, Jay. I'll come to you first and take a quick look back um, at the Crystal Palace game. Uh, you know, we've been talking pre-pod there about maybe some of the controversy around from from other fans and the media around maybe the sending off and the penalty and and so on. I thought Virgil Van Dyke was was immense. I thought Joe Gomez has grown into this role and could well displace Lovren if he continues on the tr- trajectory he's on. Uh, but what was your what was your take on the game, Jay?
2: going into the game, I expected it to be a tough encounter because if you remember back to last season's game, uh, we had to come from behind to get a victory, didn't we? And, you know, it was the game where Karius came off his line, didn't he, really slow and he clattered into Zaha, gave away a penalty, could arguably have been sent off and they took the lead and then obviously Liverpool had to come from behind. It was really hard fought, um, victory last season there, so... I was expecting that, you know, much of the same really with it being the start of the season. Some of our players who not a hundred percent fit yet, yeah, a little bit undercooked from pre season after the World Cup. Also, you know, the fact that it was Crystal Palace's first home game of the season, Monday night under the lights at Sellers Park, which you no, know, it's quite a difficult place to go, isn't it? Really? It's quite a tight, narrow pitch as well, and obviously their fans are quite atmospheric, hard to get behind the sides as well and I just thought, like, this Crystal Palace team, they've got players that can hurt, you know what I mean? We've seen last season with Wilfred Zaha, you know, he's a very dangerous player, isn't he? He's very clever as well, and you know, he, he, he commits defenders, and Trent Alexander-Arnold really struggled last season against them, and you know, I was a little bit concerned about that side of things. Also, the fact that they've got plenty of pace in the team with Van Arnold and the, the, the finds. really. Wan-Bissach, the other fullback, I think he's a very good player, also got Andros Townsend and Schluck was playing. So they were full of pace in the side and, you know, athleticism as well. I've got a good midfielder in, in Miljevic, is it? The Serbian fella, I think he's the captain. So I was expecting it to be a really tough game. And, you know, as I say, it, w- it was always going to be a massive 3 points if we could get it. And that's exactly what we did get. And, you know, it, it was a great three points really really what you've got to analyse is I thought Liverpool control the game for large periods and I don't really think Palace threatens us a great deal but you know obviously from set pieces and stuff they were a little bit dangerous but as you said there, this Liverpool team now, it's, it's a little bit different from years gone by because we've got Virgil van Dijk who's just absolute Rolls Royce of a centre-half and you know Joe Gomez, is, 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 these first two games has been very good, you know been very happy with his performances alongside van Dijk and you know, like I say, it, it's it, it's one of them situations where I, I still don't think Salah is hundred percent firing. I still don't think Firmino is a hundred percent firing. But that said, you know, Salah played. A key role in the game, really. Did he? He won he the, slow the penalty season as
0: well, Jay. If you remember, you know he was missing a lot. He was snatching a lot. Of, before he went on the real goal scoring run, you know he was converting maybe one in ten. The chances were created. He was scoring, but he was fluffing a lot of them. And then, sort of when October November came, he just he missed nothing. And I think that it, what you're saying, as you say, it's, it's better ring, rust He's been at the World Cup sort of disrupted pre-season. It could take him a month to just find his feet.
1: Yeah,
2: I mean, I did question that at the start of the last season, that he lacked a little bit of composure in front of goal. He was getting into to great positions, really, but he did miss a few. And then all of a sudden, he ended up scoring 44 goals, was it, last season? Quite mm-hmm. remarkable. And he's been a little bit slow again these first couple of games. But, like you say, he still played a key role because he won the penalty, didn't he, against Sacco. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm mystified, really, all the reaction from it, you know, I can, I can understand at the time that like the players, the Crystal Palace players being upset that the decision's gone against them. But, you know, when you analyse it, Saka, we all know, because he was, he was an ex-player of ours, he's a very clumsy centre-half, and he, had th- he actually had three goals at Salah. He impeded him, he, he kicked out Salah to try and win the ball, didn't get the ball, and he's he pulling his shirt as well. I mean, you know, in my opinion, there's two, maybe three fouls in the one instance, So, to me, it's 100% penalty and I think it was absolutely embarrassing, the uproar, you know, after the game and Roy Hodgson saying it was, you know, it's never a penalty and all like the pundits, there's a few pundits out there who were saying that it was was a dodgy decision and, you know, what was the report the next day, a controversial win. How was it controversial? I mean, it was an absolute 100% nailed on penalty and, you know, it's just embarrassing really, some of the uproar from it, but... You know, upstep James Milner put us 1 0 ahead at half time, which you think on the balance of play, we probably just about deserved, really. I mean, there's one key moment in the first half where Nabi Keita helped uh, Andy Robertson out in the left park. He'd done a little bit of a pirouette to turn and one of the Crystal Palace players, ran with the ball towards the halfway line, and just ticked a ball. lovely ball over the top. <laughs> Unbelievable, right into the path, right on the money for, for Mo Salah to run to, He sort of miscontrolled it really didn't he and just Hennessy come off his line and unfortunately he just hit it over the bar but what a fantastic goal and assist that so second half you know we, we obviously had to dig in because as I said before you know they've got some big powerful presences in the side and they're quite a pacey team as well and you know I thought like second half really you know when you're to dig in you're trying to protect the leads. I thought we'd done really well to be honest and at times, we, we could have scored a second on a few occasions. I know it took until, obviously, late on in the game for Liverpool to wrap the game up, really. But I thought Liverpool were quite comfortable, really. And as I say, Virgil van Zyke's fantastic, isn't he? He won virtually every header against Brent Seche. I mean, we all know, again, as I said before, about Sacco. And he's, he was a clumsy centre-half. We all know about Ben Teche. he's not a very good player at all, but he can be a handful and he wins his first year, doesn't he? He can bully defenders, he certainly wasn't bullying Virgil van Dijk on Monday night and you no, know, he had him in his pocket really, didn't he? And Liverpool just, it, it was just a different way to win a game of football, which was quite refreshing really, because as we all know with this Liverpool side, that, that front three is just unbelievable, isn't it? It terrorises teams and... You know, at times the pool can be questioned about being a little bit one-dimensional in that sense because you rely a lot on them three players. But the facts are, we actually won a different way against Crystal Palace on Monday night. And you know, with it being at the start of the season, as I said before, some players are still a little bit undercooked from the pre-season and from the World Cup. And I just thought it was a great three points. And you know, going forward now into this prime game, you couldn't really have asked for more. So, you no know, fingers crossed, then we keep it going at the weekend
0: i'll slide across to robert um you know basically as a neutral <laughs> um well, well, you know obviously you watch the game um and i, I sort of sense you're not a, a big palace fan you know did do, do you feel that the game was controversial as, as jay has alluded to there but you know I, I i'm firmly in in his corner but that could be red tinted spectacles if you know what i mean i don't see a problem with the sending off i don't see a problem with the penalty i don't think the result was controversial in any way,
1: but really impressed with with Liverpool. In um, I mean, we were talking pre-podcast there how um, it's a different. It was a different type of performance from Liverpool, which I think will please Jurgen Klopp um, even more so because Palace. Um, you know they make Selhurst Park a real fortress. Bit of a cliche, but it, it really is. It's one of the the best atmospheres um, in the Premier League, and when you consider that it's not, you know, one of the biggest grounds. Um, they do a really good job at home, and it's uh, they're, they're going to give you a they're going to give you a, a battle, that's for sure. So I think Liverpool soaked it up really well. Um, a different type of game, and I think Nabi Keita coming in the season was was a big part of that as well, in, in soaking up. What, what Crystal Palace had to offer. Um, and then it meant that possession football as well, which um, we don't normally associate with Liverpool. I mean, we when we think of Liverpool from from a Brighton point of view or a neutral point of view, you think of now this, this attacking flair going forward in the goals, which you still do have. But in that kind of performance, you match the goals with, um, with being able to keep hold of the ball when you needed to and, and a gritty determination. So, uh, no, I was really impressed with, with the result from a Liverpool point of view as well.
0: No, and, and and you know, I sort of said to you, pre prepod as well. I would ask you this as well. You know, again from sort of a, a non Liverpool side of things, I, I see in the media at the minute. You know, that there's a lot of hype around Klopp. There's a lot of hype around Liverpool. Certainly, off the back of last season, it was sensational football. There's no two ways about it. You know, with the signings <coughs> that have come in, you've alluded to Keita there, who's just another Rolls Royce. By the looks of it, when he gets up to <coughs> up to speed, he's going to be a handful for anyone. You know, are are Liverpool fans too soon in thinking about uh, about this title? I, personally, I I I don't think it's this season. Um, I could be completely wrong on that, but I just think that we need the experience of being in around that a uh, title run, you know, uh, and fighting <coughs> for that title. And we haven't done that since since twenty fourteen really um, under Rodgers. And and I think a bit like the Champions League it was just a step too far for us. Obviously, the way it played out, we can interpret it different ways. But you know, from your point of view, do you see Liverpool secondary to City, or are the real deal um, to, to push them all away?
1: Yeah, I, I think I really think it's a two-horse race. Um, Chelsea—they um, seem to have one good season, one bad season. And when they have their good season, they're the challengers. And when they have their bad season, they're you know they're struggling to make the, the top six, let alone Champions League. Um, I think purely because of the way that. Liverpool performed against Matt City. It just shows that they're, they're not going to have any fear playing any team in the Premier League. And for that reason alone, there's no reason why. I mean, you look at the Liverpool fixtures coming up, for example, um, and there's there's no teams in there. There's no teams there, really, that Liverpool needs to be afraid of. And as I say, full stop. So you look at at Brighton, obviously, I'd like to think that we could go there and uh, do a job against you, but at Anfield, probably not. Um, And then after that, you've got Leicester away. Liverpool should do that. Tottenham away. Yeah, a tricky game, but there's, there's no reason on a big pitch at Wembley, uh, which is where they'll still be playing, of course, lunchtime kickoff, why Liverpool can't do the job, and then at home to Southampton, and then you've got Chelsea. You know, the list goes on. Every single team that Liverpool are coming up against, including Man City, you would back home and away to, to have a good chance and at, at least be in the game.
0: Mm, it's, it's, I'll, I'll come to Jay with with this one. You know, basically the same thing along the same lines. There, are we maybe talking too? So you know, the media are making a meal of, of the whole Liverpool thing, and, and it makes me uncomfortable. To be honest with you, uh, after two games, it makes me uncomfortable. You know, had, had we gone to all the tricky places that we had to go, you know, Palace is one of those. There's there's a there's a multitude of banana skins for us away from home, where, where teams park buses and so on. And I think we need to do that. On a consistent basis, before we can really put our hand in our heart and go, "Here, lads, you know this. This is really this is really happening here."
2: You know, you know what I think. I've done quite a lot of things like pre season, you know, radio stuff as well. And what what I've said all along is this: Liverpool team now is probably the, the most equipped, the, the best equipped to challenge Manchester City for the time. But you've also got to get into the real world The fact that last season They did win the titles by about 18 points And they were 25 points ahead of Liverpool So you know it's a massive gap Isn't it a sort of like Bridge really if you like And what you've got to also consider is We really need City to drop off By all 10 points And Liverpool to improve by 10-15 points Because you know, it it is a big gap. There's no two ways about it. But what you, I think the reason why a lot of fans of other clubs and a lot of the, the media and pundits and what have you think that Liverpool are the nearest challenges to them is purely simply down to the fact that you know when we signed Virgil Van Dijk in January time, one key issue Liverpool had was basically the defensive side of our game and obviously the goalkeeper as well that situation. And Liverpool have been very good since Virgil van Zyke's come to the football club. We've kept quite a lot of clean sheets. I think it's 15 and 30 games, something like that. So we've conceded less than one goal a game on average as well. So, all things considered, one side to our game that was a little bit of a an Achilles here, if you like, we've sort of rectified that problem really to a degree. And then you take on board you know, the front three, are just sensational are the lad, best in the Premier League arguably the best in Europe. So, when you when you piece it all together there, you know, that's the reason why people are saying Liverpool are, the, are genuine t- challenges to the title. And, you know, also you take on board the fact that Liverpool beat Manchester City three times last season as well, between January and obviously when we played them in the Champions League games as well. So, you know, from that aspect of it all, that's the reason why people are getting a little bit excited about there being potential challenges but let's get real Manchester City are a fantastic team You got 100 points last season they've not sold any of their players they've improved it by shannon Mares, who I think is a very good footballer so you know based on all that they've also got Mendy now as well the left back who, who basically played a couple of games for them last season got injured and missed the rest of the season so he's back and already now he's had about three or four assists in the first two games so Manchester City make no mistake, they're the team to catch and they're the favourites for the title and quite rightly so but I do think we've got a chance and looking at the fixtures coming up, it was important to get the three points against Palace, we've got you know Brighton at the weekend which you would expect us to get the three points there you can't take that for granted but you would expect us to win and then we've got Leicester City haven't we after that and you know Let's take one game at a time But you do have to look ahead And think Well Manchester City have got Four or five games now Coming up That you would expect them To get You know To get three points So it's vitally important Liverpool stay close to City Because On the horizon We've got a couple of Tough away games In Tottenham and Chelsea In September time And really We can't really afford To Slip up too much And let City Open up a gap against us Because if we want to be Classed as genuine title rivals We've got to stay on the coattails. There's, there's no two ways about it. But yeah, you're probably right. Let's not get too giddy. Let's not get too carried away because this city team's very good and we haven't got any experience in this team of genuinely challenging for the title, really. It was four years ago. And there's not many players left from that tenure under Nudgers. And also, you've got to look at this group of players. They're not winners either. So I said before, you know, pre-podcasted, neither. You know, let's see if we can stay, stay close to City and if they wilt under a little bit of pressure. But we also need to know whether or not Liverpool, this Liverpool side, is capable of, of dealing with the pressure as well. So it's all very intriguing, isn't it? And I take on board what you're saying. Let's not get too carried away. Let's not get too giddy about it. But I certainly think there's positive signs there for optimism going forward this season. And I do think we are the nearest contenders to Man City.
0: No, Wes, I would agree with all that. I just find it kind of it's kind of scary, you know. I think it's the bubble wrapping of ourselves. over so many years, um, we're the least concerned that you. After two games, pundits going, oh, it's Liverpool, Liverpool, Liverpool. It just it, it, it bothers me. But listen, let's go to a buoyant Brighton who will be arriving at Anfield um, at the weekend. Uh, tell us this, Robert. What are your expectations here? And uh, you know, how do you think Brighton will approach the game with us?
1: Well, I mean, fortunately, after the the United result at the Amex last weekend, um, there's going to be no pressure. Um, It's nice. I mean, after the Liverpool game, which in a real world at best, you would hope we would get a point from. But if you're dreaming and thinking with your heart, you never know. You think you could nick a win. Our our record at, at Anfield isn't great as well. So, you know, we're looking at the fixtures after that. We're looking at the Fulham at home on the first of September. Um, you'd like to think, you really like to think that would be three points. No reason why not. Newly promoted Fulham. Um, you then look at uh, Southampton away. Last season away at the uh, St Mary's Stadium, um, Southampton were really poor. It's only because we were equally poor that we didn't run over the three points. Um, and then you run into a few tricky fixtures. So. We'll have Tottenham at the Amex. We took a point from them at the Amex. I mean, any team at home, Brighton have got no pressure on as well because we've got such good backing there. We've got a good record in the Premier League at the Amex. Um, And then after that, we've got the aforementioned Manchester City. So don't look to take anything from that from the Etihad. But there's that period now, after the Liverpool game as well, where there are points to be had. Um, And after the Watford performance last weekend... Um, I think a lot of Brighton fans would have been really worried going into the Manchester United game. So, to, to perform like we did against Denver, it, it was a poor Manchester United performance. But a lot of that we've got to credit for because we had a really high press, which even at home against a lot of the um, a lot of the top six sides, we, we tend not to do. Um, so, getting into Manchester United's face, I mean, Glenn Murray didn't like, you know, it belied his age at 34 years of age uh, was doing really well getting in the face of the likes of uh, Pogba, Pereira as well and Fred putting the pressure on throughout the majority of the 90 minutes. It was really refreshing to see. Um, and off the back of that performance, we've got two or three games now in the league where we, we, we've just got no pressure and we can go out and play our game.
0: You know, you allude there to, to no pressure. You know, realistically, what what are your expectations for the season? Is it survival again? Just principally survival. Um, you know, you're you're pretty much still new boys, Premier League.
1: Um, you mm. know,
0: is it just console- a season of consolidation? Is that is that a success for you?
1: I mean, I it, it, obviously always being in the Premier League you're going to take staying up. You're going to take being 17th. But um, with the way we've done so well and the confidence that we have, I think Chris Hutton would say... Yes, do that, but also let's improve on our away form. The home form is brilliant. I don't think any Brighton fan would grumble with our season's home performances um, across the whole season. We did we did really well and we improved that again against Manchester United. But the one thing from last season that we could have done well with, I mean, there's a couple of things actually. The first one is our away form. Uh, but then also generally across the board, I mean, Brighton conceded the most goals in the Premier League last season from set pieces. So that's something we've got to work on. But off the back of a result like that against Manchester United at home, to go to Anfield where we don't have a great record, there should be zero pressure. Um, and then if we nick a point from yourselves, you know, obviously we'd be over the moon.
0: And and what you know, what what do you expect as a fan at Anfield? Are you, are you looking sort of at the... He's in the same park of the bus, I don't like it. You know, are you looking just to defend and try and nick that point, or maybe even you know? Obviously, in seasons past, we look at our at Liverpool's defence now as a different proposition. Has been alluded to a couple of times here. Um, you know, the errors are are much much less than they used to be. Um, you know, teams used to go, well, if we defend well, we can maybe just counter and maybe get a set piece, maybe score a goal. What do you think we'll see from Brighton? How do you think we'll line up? What 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 do you think?
1: Well, I think all Brighton fans have, have a good, really strong amount of faith in, in Chris Hughton. He's got the team so well drilled. Um, and away from home, um, uh, there are sections of the Albion fans who would argue that we are too negative. But I think ultimately, when you're looking across the season, I think most fans put the faith in to, to to do a job and over the course of the season pick up points where we need to. Uh, I said that we do need to get more away from home, and I think Chris Hewitt would agree with that. So, purely because of Liverpool, if you're looking at just Liverpool at Anfield, um, I think you'd be silly to not, you know, have that two banks of four when needs be, um, get the men behind the ball and just try and stop the likes of, you know, the front three, Firmino, Mane, Salah from from doing their bits and I think with the back four that we've got especially with Lewis Duncan um, and Shane Buffy, uh, they will always do their utmost, they'll be that last man to slide in where needs be and make sure, but then also the likes of David Proper and Stevens do so well that as well going forward and, and distributing the ball they, they do a really good defensive job so there's four players there straight away who will need to be in the thick of it a lot of the time breaking up play um the fullbacks is where we've got a bit of change at the moment because bruno the club captain is is, is getting old he's not going to be able to perform as club captain forever so we brought in bernardo we brought in martin montoya as well two fullbacks who i think it will kind of be saturated in to the fullback role eventually so because of that transition um, there is a lot more pressure on the likes of Lewis Dunk and Shane Duffy who've done such a good job and then when you couple that with um, Dale Stevens and David Propper in the middle of midfield they, they can drop deep when they need to and so I think because of that naturally to just nullify Liverpool's threat you're not going to see Glenn Murray um, and Pascal Gross spending 90 minutes in the in the Liverpool half that's for sure
0: Jay it, it, it all sounds a bit familiar <laughs> um, when, when, when we come to talk to Liverpool I'm, I'm just curious to think I think we're, we're a little bit early to be talking about rotation you know we're one one game a week I, I pretty much see more or less the same starting lineup um, as we saw um, against Crystal Palace I don't see him making many I don't think he needs to make many changes. You know what? What do you foresee for Liverpool going into this game? Again, it's one of it's one of those ones where we're we're probably going to end up facing def- a defensive unit at home. You know, the, the, a lot's been made, made there. You know, Robert even mentioned about Anfield and the noise at Anfield and so on. And th- there seems to be a belief. I know that you go to a lot of the games, Jay. That, you know, the first game of the season was loud, and it's almost it was almost different. You know, it's almost there's there's a different feel about Liverpool all of a sudden. Uh, and you know, for years we were terrified. Um, the start of a season this year was just like bring it on, and I think there's, that Anfield this season is going to be a major factor in that.
2: Well, yeah, I think there's the sort of like major belief now and confidence going to every single game, and you know you you go into the match now entertained. It's it's not a chore anymore. At times it could be a chore in the past going the match because you know, it would be quite predictable going where. You, you know, you're you coming up against teams where they, they, they play defensively against us, but we didn't really have much of an answer to it. So it was just going to be a little bit of a born game or what have you. But now you just get that sense of belief every single game you go to. You, you know, you're going to be entertained. You know, you're expecting goals and not just to win the game one or two nil. Liverpool and put or five past any team. We've seen it last season. We scored seven against Maribor. We scored seven against Spartak Moscow as well. And the amount of times we put four and five past teams was unbelievable, really. So, you know, every single game you go to now, you just go in there with the anticipation and the expectancy level, really, of scoring goals and being entertained. And it's great. And like I say, the atmosphere is good as well because everyone's enjoying themselves. Like a party atmosphere at the game now against West Ham. I honestly didn't think Liverpool got out of second gear and we won 4-0, Could have put seven or eight past them, but for Swabianski, made a couple of really good point-blank saves from him, from Salah. So, you know, like I said, you're going into these games now just very confident against anyone, really. Liverpool don't fear anyone, you know, it's just... We sort of, like, we're, we're controlling most games of football, so when you come up against a team like Brighton, like look at last season, we beat them five one at the Amex. We beat four nil last game of the season at Anfield as well. And and if you look back to that game, the back end of last season, I don't really think Liverpool played fantastically well. It was a little bit like the West Ham game where we didn't really get out of second gear and we still won the game four 0 So like I say, this, this Liverpool team is just it, it, it's I, I said it before the turn for Van Dyke, Rolls Royce. And then you said it about, you know, Naby Keita could turn into a Rolls-Royce. This whole Liverpool team is like a Rolls-Royce at times. And you know, it's a joy to watch. It really is. And, in, you know, as as regards the team selection, I mean, I said on the last podcast, I don't see the need to change a winning team because we didn't play outstandingly brilliant against West Ham, but we won 4-0. It was comfortable. And most players performed to a certain level. That warrant of being selected in the next game against Palace, and you know, like I say, the clock didn't change a team, and and Everett was fine. But I do think that there is certain players a little bit undercooked, and it, and it wouldn't surprise me going into the weekend's game it's Brighton. I was talking to a few of my mates about this today. Actually, um, it wouldn't be the greatest surprise in the world. If he moved, because I because I don't fit, I don't, I feel that for me, you know, doesn't seem a hundred percent fit at this moment in time. Absolutely, you know, after, after seems after tired after yeah. the way, exactly after the World Cup, he hasn't really had much of a pre-season. He looks a little bit undercut to me, and it wouldn't be the greatest surprise in the world if Shakiri got started the weekend against Brighton on the right-hand side, then he moved Salah into the centre and put Firmino on the bench and just brought him on for the last 20 minutes or something I mean don't get me wrong it, it might be totally wrong because let's be honest you don't really want to upset that front three because they are phenomenal aren't they but I do think there is a possibility there that Shaqiri may well get a start and it could be you know obviously where Firmino gets left out the side I could be totally wrong but that's just my thoughts on it and there was a couple of me mates were saying it today as well that there is a possibility of that because Shaqiri by all accounts has been fantastic in training Scoring some absolute wonder goals And he's jumping at the bit He just wants to play doesn't he He's very excitable isn't he tell that When you see him with Klopp He's just eager isn't he I think it's he's looking at this now Where he's been at big clubs in the past He's been at Bayern Munich He's been at Inter Milan And he's just sort of flattered to the chief really And I think now he's looking at this He's done his time at Stoke hasn't he, he He's got used to the Premier League And, you know what, obviously they've been relegated now, but he, he was sort of like stuck out like a sore thumb there, didn't he? His stats backed it all up. He was by far their best player, goals and assists that he created last season. And, you know, like I say, he's got his move now to Liverpool and this is probably his last chance at a big club. And, you know, it's clear to see that he, he he just wants game time and he wants to play. And I do think there's a possibility he could start the game at the weekend. But, you know, in terms of the midfield area and the defence, I mean, I just don't see how he can change it because I know Jordan Henderson's the club captain but James Milner's been doing very well in his first couple of games and we've spoken about Naby Keita as well looks sensational doesn't he he's going to be an unbelievable player for Liverpool he's going to rip this Premier League up and then of course Genie Wild has been playing well so you, you can't really change it too Rubino? much.
0: But because, you know, we, we bought this yeah. guy a, a quite a sizeable fee. And, you know, I've seen a bit of him at Monaco. He, he looks an excellent player. Now, is it a case of just like Andy Robertson um, last season, Jay, where, you know, Klopp's just taken the decision. Let's bring him in gently. Let's, you know, let's introduce I'm surprised he hasn't had a debut. I, I think even as a sub, he wasn't even on the bench, I think, for Palace. Um, You know there could be things going on. I I certainly haven't heard anything, but I'm kind of surprised at that one. Um, You know because it was a big outlay for him, unlike uh, Robertson last season. Do you not feel there's there's a shout for him? Maybe
2: I think with with Fabinho, right? It's definitely got to be a case of something similar along the lines of what happens with Andy Robertson when he first comes to the club. And if you remember at the start of last season, he was left out of the squad quite a bit, wasn't he? And then. He'd come in for certain games, then he played against Palace at home, then he played against Leicester in the League Cup, and then he was out the squad in a couple of games, and it was very surprising, really, because obviously Moreno's had his critics at Liverpool from day one, hasn't he, really, and the amount of mistakes he's made in his Liverpool career. So, it was a little bit of a surprise at the start of the last season that Moreno was the favoured left-back, and as I said there, Robertson wasn't even getting in the, in the match day squad at times, and it's a similar sort of situation, really, isn't it, with Fabinho? I mean, if you look back to oxley chamberlain as well, I think his first 10 games, I think he only started one in his first 10. So, you know, I think sometimes Klopp does like to, you know, keep his eye on certain players in training and, and, and see if they are actually ready. I mean, Kate has just come in and he started games. He's you know, fitted like a glove, hasn't he, really? And, you know, you've got to look at... Other players have done it as well, certain players just need that little bit of extra coaching, I feel the clock. It's worked wonders with Robinson and obviously Ashley Chamberlain. Come on, leaps and at the back end last season as well. Didn't he for his injury? But then I must admit, with Fabinho, though he played most of preseason, and it's a bit surprising, really. That that's, he sort why of, like, mis-
0: that's exactly why I bring it up, Jay, because you yeah. know, he looked he looked pretty damn good in in preseason. He had the full preseason, unlike the rest of them and, and I find it just it's a little bit bizarre but again we've seen it before.
2: What I thought was more surprising was against Palace he wasn't even in the squad and if there was ever a game that you would have thought because he, he's a bit of a presence isn't he for being, you know, I know he's quite slight in his build his appearance but he's tall isn't he so you would have thought maybe he would have at least made the bench in terms of like the last 20 minutes if they were you know obviously having to set pieces or you know around the box corners free kicks what have you yeah, whipping balls in Fabinho's high would have been an advantage for us to maybe bring on with twenty minutes to go, but he was completely left out of the match day squad. I mean, I think he did travel with the squad, but he just wasn't named in the in the party, was he, for the match day. So a little bit surprising. But, you know, as we've just touched on there, I mean it's happened in the past with Robertson and Oxlade Chamberlain. So maybe the same applies with Fabinho, but hopefully he will be in the squad at the weekend and on the bench at least.
0: Well, listen, that, that's grand, lads. I'm going. I'm going to finish it up here just with with your predictions. Uh, I'll come across to you first, Robert. Um, what 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 do you feel will be the result on on Saturday, and uh, what what'll, what'll make the difference for you?
1: Well, I, I always have to give a prediction with my heart and my head. Um, I suppose with, with my head, you could still say there's a bit of heart going in this, but. Um, I see no reason why the Albion couldn't nick a point and it would be a one um I could see Liverpool getting an early goal. Uh, um as Jay mentioned there, I think Shakiri could um be a really good game for him to get involved. So I see no no reason why someone like him could could nick a goal um at Anfield. Um but I feel like if we if we weather the pressure early on and we don't concede another, I, I think we can I think we can get a point. Um, but then the heart, the heart will always say that you know, go against it. We could, um, we could just nab a one nil. Why not? The say um, earlier on, I think there's absolutely no pressure on Brighton. And if we lose four nil, five 0 to Liverpool, then I think most Brighton fans, as we speak now. Um, Know, wouldn't be too disheartened as long as there is some form of performance because this Liverpool side are, are really impressive this season. As we've already discussed, they're being likened to Man City in a, a two horse race, and I think justifiably so as well. So, yeah, just to, to kind of paraphrase, I suppose um, my head, I'd love to say 1 all, and heart, I'd love to say 1 0 to the Albion running back to Sussex. Wow,
0: um, that's quite optimistic going to Anfield. <laughs> um,
1: got to be optimistic. gotta well, be optimistic.
0: Why not? I, I thought I thought your head was maybe gonna say you know you'd maybe lose one 0 nil and and you know the heart you won one nil. Jay yourself, um, <laughs> you know, I, I, honestly, we can't think of anything else but a win here.
2: No, I mean, if if you all things considered. I'm fully expecting Brighton to just come and try and park the bus because most teams are going to try and do that at Anfield this season. Aren't they? Let's get real about it, apart from maybe you know, Manchester City or possibly Tottenham. But you know, you've got to consider that. Liverpool team. Just in, in particular games at Anfield, they create so many opportunities. No matter how how many how teams want to behind the ball, one the pool always seem to find a way. If you look back to last season, we played Brighton twice. We five one at the Amex and 4-0 at Anfield. And to be honest, I just can't see them offering much much of a threat going forward against us either. So I, I can't see them scoring against us as we touched on before. The World's defensive side of our game, now was so much better than but we have in Virgil Van Dijk playing there. It's just he is just unbelievable. He, for me, he's the best centre at the Premier League. We haven't really even spoken about his Allison yet. I mean. Alisson's distribution I mean he's only really had about four or five shots to make in these first two games but that's because of the protection he's got in front of him what he's had to do what he's had to deal with he's done, he's done really well but I think with Alisson his distribution at the ball at his feet as well he's absolutely unbelievable I think his passing accuracy is 23
0: passes I was reading there earlier on James Nolton has a piece out on that uh, this is Anfield about it and absolutely that, that's those are pretty good numbers
2: for a keeper Jay that's what I'm saying, he's been, he's been, I know it's like two games in, you can't get two carries away, you can't get giddy, but it's all about confidence building because he's new to the Premier League and he's just talked to it really well, like a duck to water really and like I said, I just cannot see Brighton causing Liverpool any threats whatsoever really and I just think Liverpool will control possession, he'll also obviously create opportunities to score and I do, I not many teams can contain this Liverpool side and even with what I said before about Salah's not really necessarily filing on all cylinders, you know, for me, you know, looks a little bit undercooked still. I still think Liverpool will have far too much for Brighton and you know, we won four nil first game, two nil away from home second game, and I can just see this being a routine three nil Liverpool victory, to be honest.
0: Well, I'm going for three nil myself. Um, I was going. Through, I went three 0 against Crystal Palace and ended up with my heart in my mouth. I kind of forgot how good they are, <laughs> especially at home. Listen, guys, that has been fantastic. Thank you so much for for, for taking the time. As, as always, we're going to play out with a piece of music tonight. Pete has lined up for you an indie rock band uh, called Luna Bay. They're from the UK, and this is their song called Little Amsterdam. One last thanks to the guys, uh, and before we go, where can we find you on Twitter? First of all, Jay, um, yourself, and anything you're working on, anything you want to put a plug in for?
2: Uh, no, I mean, I, as I say, being on Twitter for years now, it's uh, the Cop HQ. If you, if you want to follow me on there, but um, no, pass it on to Robbie if you want to share your Twitter handle.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yes, it's at. R D Doug Moore, so there's an extra D in there. Oh no, it's not an extra D. Sorry, R Doug So it's nice and easy. R D U G M O R E.
0: There we go. And and just all the best for the rest of the season for you as well. I hope you know you you end up where you want to be at the end of that season, Robert.
1: Yeah, likewise. I mean, every uh, from the times that we've, I've been up to Anfield as well. I mean, I remember a good few years ago when we got absolutely thumped by ourselves, and I think we ended up scoring. I think it might have been three or maybe even four goals at Anfield, and still ended up losing five or six one. So um, yeah, we've 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 not had the greatest record there. Which is, I, I'll always try and be positive though. But um, no, so but, but whenever we've been up to to Anfield, we've uh, we've always had a good bit of camaraderie with with the Liverpool fans as well. Um, always treated us really well so uh, yeah likewise for yourselves and we, we hope man, you can keep you can give sorry Manchester City a run for their money this year
0: well we've certainly spent enough in the pursuit of it that's all I've got to say listen you know, the Cobb Table will be back again uh, next week with Pete again who's who's oh, just taken a couple of days away so that's why I'm stepping in for him just thank everybody for listening thanks again to Jay and Robert and until next week from me it's goodbye Shankly kids, I heard a Kapai calling, Shankly, the heart you away.
1: So, let's say you're into yoga, or Pilates, or maybe you dabble in gymnastics like me. Either way, you know being flexible is key to doing what you love. That's why Smoothie King created this stretch and flex smoothie for people like us. With whole fruits and organic veggies, plus type 2 collagen, make it part of your daily fitness routine to support flexibility and joint health. So try the stretch and flex smoothie in tart cherry or pineapple kale. Order online today for pickup or delivery. Smoothie King, rule the day.
0: 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Oh, that's a cheer we used to do in softball. Uh, what?